Well, welcome everybody to the JD Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Taylor. I'm the Managing Director of Travel, Hospitality, and Retail at JD Power. And today we have a very special guest, Tyson Jomini of JD Power. Hello, Tyson. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Tyson, tell us a little bit about what you do with uh, with JD Power. You're, you're not a, actually a regular guest here uh, <laughs> on our travel podcast. Well, I'm one of those real data nerds, you know, and, and uh, I look at automotive sales and pricing data all day long to see who's winning and losing in terms of share, uh, transaction price, what automakers are spending on incentives, and ultimately, you know, what are consumers paying uh, for monthly payments every month? That sounds like a great job for a University of Chicago guy. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's where we put of, data nerds. <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know already, both Tyson and I went to the University of Chicago. So just a little inside joke there. Well, anyway, the, we want to talk today about the rental car industry. Um, and, you know, as I think everybody who's tried to go on vacation where they wanted to rent a car has discovered, there are very different, a lot of differences between this year's and last year's rental car market. Um, basically, the thing that shows up the most in our data on the J.D. Power and North American rental car study is kind of sticker shock. How much is it? How much it costs now to rent a car? And then secondarily, the availability of cars and the wait times that happen. So I think that we, you know, this has been a topic uh, in the, the news, uh, the shortage of cars and con- also the shortage of labor. Um, which affects this industry. So Tyson, you can tell us a little bit about what is causing this car shortage, not only for rental car companies, but for retail lots and uh, car dealerships. Well, I think most consumers now, um, they, they've run into supply shortages somewhere, whether it's the grocery store or whether it's at Best Buy uh, or certainly whether it's on the, the car market. Um, and so after after coronavirus, it it looked like the industry was starting to recover and things were going well. And then, of course, we get hit by the supply chain shortages that were happening everywhere in the industry. Uh, it's driven by a couple factors, Mike. I mean, the biggest one, the one we all talk about the most is this shortage of microchips, right? Um, but if it was just that, maybe we'd have a solution by now. But it is It's paint, it's tires, it's wiring harnesses. It's on and on and on. It's so many things right now that we have a shortage of that the industry just can't make any cars. Well, it is. It definitely shows up in in the data that we have. So, and the the other part of it is the demand equation, which um, I believe, if we cast our mind back about nine months ago, everybody had very much doom and gloom forecasts for the travel. Uh, market and how you know what people would be doing and what the demand for rental cars would be, especially since no one's having a business meeting, no one's meeting face to face, and all that got blown away last summer when there was a great surge in the demand for leisure travel. People just got up and wanted to get on a plane and go somewhere, and that demand coupled with the shortage of rental cars. You know, really caused the prices to jump. Uh, if people listen to this podcast, you know, I think you've heard this example from me before. I am planning to go to Scotland to play golf in a few weeks. And of course, I started planning for my rental car, actually rental four-wheel, four-wheel drive SUV that we normally get when we go over there because we have a lot of golf luggage to haul around. And plus, I feel a lot safer in a larger car uh, driving on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> and I'm the one who does all the driving uh, for this trip. Um, but, you know, I looked for, you know, the normal seven, eight day rental that I usually get uh, for an SUV with an automatic transmission, which is kind of unusual in the European market. 
Normally, I expect to pay oh, you know anywhere between six and eight hundred dollars uh, a week, or for that eight day period. Uh, the prices I saw online were two thousand four hundred dollars a week, <laughs> and I thought, man, I could actually probably buy the SUV and turn it around uh, and make a profit uh, rather than pay the twenty four hundred dollars. So that's really been you know the the demand, the increased demand, and then the uh, shortage of rental cars uh, for a while. There really drove the pricing up. Uh, basically, because I believe the uh, rental car companies just let their algorithms just run with what the demand versus the supply was. And uh, as we all know from our basic economics, that's what drives up costs. But that seems to back off a little bit. So there is this daily fee trend that went very, very high this past year. And now we're coming into the big market uh, demand for summertime travel when uh, school is out of session and people want to go to various uh, locations. And again, in our JD Power data, we kind of see that it's really very, very limited to certain destination markets like Orlando, which is the United States, if not the world's largest rental car market, uh, still has some pricing differences. But you can get a car for relatively about the same amount of money you did two years ago in Atlanta or, or in Iowa City, for that matter, because those are not really uh, leisure destination markets. And then we also see sometimes the uh, the wait time for car pickup has also uh, increased, which decreases satisfaction. And that's simply because the rental car companies are experiencing the same problems at retail that everybody else is, which is they just can't find people to, you know, manage the counter. So, uh, Tyson, what is, uh, you know, what are, what are some of the steps that the rental car companies are taking and the manufacturers, the original equipment manufacturers taking to kind of bridge this chasm between demand and supply. Yeah, you know, I, I wish there was a, a simple, quick solution to, to really bridge it. Uh, right now, what automakers have been doing um, is they've been prioritizing the retail channel really since coronavirus began. Uh, retail channel, meaning, you know, going to a dealership and, and a lot of vehicles have been sent that way. Um, and it's primarily at the expense of, you know, the daily rental companies, right? Um, if you have a limited supply of vehicles, as an automaker, and you're sort of looking at the landscape of where can I get the greatest price for these vehicles, um, you know, they're going to choose the, the channel that, that produces the greatest profitability. And historically, that has always meant retail. I think what we're seeing now in the data um, is, is the exact opposite. And for the first time um, recently, we're seeing that uh, the fleet channel, sales to daily rental companies and and you know your your local plumbers and, and maybe your large fleets like you know uh, like Walmart or, or others that have big sales forces that that buy a lot of vehicles uh, uh, directly from automakers. We're seeing that side of the business really starting to increase and certainly in profitability for the first time, and that has been a really big change. So does that mean that the um, the fleet owner is paying a, a larger, a, a bigger price for the car? Yeah, I mean. Um, in some cases, we're seeing fleets just go down to their local dealership and, and buy every vehicle they could see uh, at a retail price. Um, but you know, at, at a minimum, uh, we are seeing these fleet customers um, having to pay more to get their place in line. I mean, I think we're all kind of familiar with that that concept at this point, right? If you you want to get ahead in line, um, it, it kind of costs some money. And so, what we're seeing is a lot of the the fleet channel really stepping up to the bar and, and paying more to get their vehicles. And as uh, Tyson, I'm sure you know, and uh, I know that I know from talking to our rental car clients, they do have a very sophisticated forecast for what they can buy a car for 
what they can rent that car for and what they can sell the car for when they reach a certain mileage. And all that kind of algorithm translates into what daily price are we going to ask for this car? And of course, the price will affect the demand. But demand has been so strong that they can raise the prices, uh, you know, to, a, to an astronomical level in some cases, although it has backed off a little bit. Um, so all these different uh, factors are weighing on what you're going to be paying for that rental car uh, as we go into the heavy demand for leisure travel, um, which happens over the summer and into the early fall in certain parts of the country. Um, you know, the other part of it is, and Tyson, maybe you could speak to this, is the maintenance costs. If you're going to, if you can't buy a new car, if you're a fleet manager, uh, you're going to be buying e- either a, a used car or keeping the current cars you have longer, putting more mileage on them. And that certainly is, has to affect costs, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, for, for most consumers, um, you know, you, you go get a car and, and as you know, the first three years or so, um, you're going to see that, that uh, vehicle ownership costs are, are pretty low. I mean, you're basically paying for gas and, and maybe some oil changes. Uh, but once a vehicle crosses over three years or so, uh, you're going to start to find that maintenance cost and repairs uh, start to, to creep in and those go up. Um, and so if you're a, a daily renter, uh, you're, you know, your Avis or, or Hertz or someone, you have these large fleets, um, you're starting to see the mileage get up there, you know, over 30,000 or so, and, you know, almost approaching 40,000 miles. Um, well, that that's pretty much the point where, you know, the maintenance costs really start to, to creep in. Um, so as they've kept these vehicles for longer, um, they have certainly approached that point where, where we start to see um, uh, the maintenance and, and repair costs really start to, to accelerate uh, in these fleets. And that's going to definitely affect profitability. One of the things that we advise our rental car clients is that we're just in a very unusual time. And again, on this podcast, I think I believe I've said this several times before. The last time we had a pandemic like this, there was no such thing as the rental car market. It hadn't been invented yet. Uh, So there really was no history to go on. And the rental car companies of course, looked at their bottom line and their assets and said, okay, we need to sell off some of these assets. And there, you know, there's a fairly liquid market, uh, and Tyson especially knows this, uh, for used vehicles in the United States and, of course, around the world. Uh, and they sold off quite a bit of assets and then they had demand come back and they were caught kind of, uh, you know, in a dilemma. We, you know, we, we sold off all these cars. Now we're going to go try and buy them back. Of course, no one's going to sell them back to you at the same price that you sold it to them. So there's a little bit of a cost differential. And then, of course, the other part of it is keeping the car longer and renting a car that has 40,000, 50,000 miles on it. Uh, and that does affect satisfaction. Uh, one of the things that we see constantly in the travel studies of J.D. Power is that there is really no differentiation from the part of the consumer on the condition of a of a of a vehicle or a bathroom or, you know, a a terminal facility at an airport uh, and how clean it is. If something is scratched, dented, worn, worn out, it is dirty. And no matter how often or how diligently you clean it, it will never be considered to be clean. And that's, of course, a big factor in their satisfaction with the rental car itself. So as these cars get older, you know, we're going to see probably a decline in satisfaction with the rental car uh, itself. Um, so the other part we do tell our clients is that, you know, you're in this unusual situation. Uh, and, you know, the rental car industry, you know, you have to have <laughs> straw to make bricks, as they say. 
And the rental car companies don't have enough straw, so they need to make bricks uh, with as little straw as possible. And they need to have some cash on hand because eventually we're going to get out of this situation. And the original equipment manufacturers will be able to make cars again and supply those fleets in the kind of a normal fashion, quote unquote. (laughs) And you need to build up cash to do that. And what we've been telling our clients is that in this particular period, it's so unusual that you can't operate. Uh, as if nothing is going on, you've probably got to trade a little bit of satisfaction and, um, uh, you know, loyalty uh, f- among your consumers to get cash on hand so that when there is when there are new cars available, you'll be able to purchase them. And that's what we've been recommending to folks. So, Tyson, what's going to happen in the future here? What do, what do you think is what are, what's the time frame for us to get out of this? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? You know, I, I think there is. When I, I usually talk to the retail side, I, I talk to automakers and, and dealers uh, about the retail side. And, and for them, the message is, you know, it's going to be a, a, a longer road. It's going to be really into 2023 before we start to see some of these prices alleviate. Um, I, I think it's going to be a lot quicker for the for the daily renters to start getting their vehicles back um, because uh, as mentioned, they are paying more now for for vehicles, right? If if we go back to you know pre pandemic and and what what was sort of going to daily rentals, I mean it, it was what we call the compact SUV space, which would be you know your Ford Escapes and your your Honda CRVs. Um, that that was really the number one uh, fleet segment that we saw back in the day. Uh, followed shortly behind by you know mid car and, and compact car. So you know you think about your your Camrys and your Corollas. Uh, well, nowadays we're seeing some some different behavior. Um, we are still seeing a lot of mid cars going that way, going to to the fleet channel, going to the daily rentals. Uh, but we're seeing a lot more pickups heading that way. Um, and what we're seeing is no longer the the compact SUV. In fact, the sales there are about half of what they were. You're now more likely to find the subcompact SUV, which is now even bigger. Uh, than that, and we're talking about the smallest size SUVs that you find out there, sort of like your, you know, your Chevy Trax and your, um, and, and your Honda HRVs. Um, that's now the the number one vehicle. But but what we see that's different though is that the daily renters are paying more for vehicles now than they ever have. In fact, the average transaction price for for the fleet channel, if we had such a thing, uh, is higher than the industry average overall. So the the, the fleet channel is actually waiting toward more expensive vehicles right now than the overall retail market. And, and that's the first time we've ever seen that. Um, you know, what, what we're seeing, though, that kind of price change is a 42% price increase of the value of vehicles going to the fleet channel versus a 24% overall market increase. So we're talking about a rate that, that is far in excess of what everyone else, what the, the retail consumer has done. Uh, if that all makes sense. I mean, it's a much more expensive profile of vehicle now heading to the fleet channel. So is a pickup truck, uh, why is that trend for pickup trucks? I'm wondering, you know, I just don't see a lot of pickup trucks being rented, but obviously anything with four wheels that moves (laughs) when you turn the key on is going to be rented in this market. But why pickup trucks? If we were to look at the, the profitability dollars in the industry, um, so you multiply the, the share times the price we would find that pickups are about a quarter of all profitability dollars in the marketplace. So automakers have been prioritizing pickups 
more than anything. Combine that with with sort of the house price uh, run we've had here and the demand for contractors. Uh, so you kind of get a, a good you know mix of of high demand and high profitability. So the supply remains very robust of those vehicles. Um, you know, another thing that, that's that's kind of cool is that you know if automakers, let's say they were to build too many pickup trucks, because there's this demand now both for from daily rental companies and from uh, you know your private contractors. Automakers can kind of balance back and forth where they're going to send supply because, again, as mentioned, for the first time, it's as profitable for automakers to sell, if not more profitable, to sell to daily rental companies than it is to supply their own dealers, which is kind of cool and, and different. <laughs> I think that's one way of putting it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a very, very, very strange time. Um, and, you know, in, when we talk to the media, um, J- when J.D. Power talks to the media about this particular problem, you know, we don't see an end in sight here uh, through 2023 at all. Hmm. Um, and again, the, the, the key thing here is to for the rental car agency to measure itself. How much can we charge the consumer based on the demand that's there in a particular market? And how much are we going to affect the loyalty of how much, you know, will someone come back and hmm. rent from uh, your particular brand again once they paid twice or three times what they normally would pay for a vehicle? The last thing I want to touch on was, you know, electric cars. Um, we had mentioned you had Tyson. You had mentioned several times during this uh, this uh, podcast uh, how the fleets are paying, you know, with no discounts whatsoever, paying the highest price that they ever did. I, for those of you who who really are not for, you know particularly uh, familiar with this market, uh, generally when you put an order in for five or six thousand cars, you're not paying sticker price. You're getting a discount, but I believe that most of those discounts have gone away. Is that still true, Tyson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's the thing is nowadays, if you want to get cars, you have to buy your way to the front of the line. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, one of the rental car, premier rental car companies in the world, Hertz, you know, had made a quite a big uh, bet on electric vehicles with Tesla. And as I recall, um, uh, you know, Mr. Musk said, uh, yeah, and they paid full price for each one of those vehicles uh, upon delivery. So, which is really an amazing and astounding uh, result <laughs> of the pandemic is the fact that uh, you can put in an order for, I think, I believe it was tens of thousands, 50,000, 60,000 cars and pay, pay full yep. price for it. So, you know, that's going to roll through even, you know, even if they don't buy all of those, those cars um, that they originally intended to, there was quite a bit of federal legislation, it was kind of wrapped up in uh, that deal, which didn't really happen. Didn't get passed through the Senate or the, excuse me, the House. Um, but, you know, still paying that sticker price and having a, a durable good uh, in your inventory, and you're going to have to keep it longer because you can't replace it with a newer car, is going to have a multi-year effect on the price of rental cars uh, going forward. So, you know, 2023, we might see the end to the shortage of cars as we get towards the end of 23. At least that's my reading of the tea leaves here. Um, but the price is going to, that higher price is going to persist past 2023 simply because they bought a more expensive car and they do need to get um, their money's worth out of that purchase. Any uh, final thoughts, Tyson, um, on this whole situation we find ourselves in? Yeah, I mean, you know, what we see from from pent up demand is there's about three million units from from the the fleet side uh, 
that are looking for, for vehicles as they become available compared to only about 2 million on the retail side. Again, we've been feeding the retail side much better uh, than we were feeding you know, Hertz and, and National uh, for all these years as, a, as an industry. Um, well, I, I see that turning around. I mean, I, I see it's going to be a little bit quicker. Maybe maybe I'm just a little optimistic. But again, I, I see that the, the fleet side is paying uh, so close to MSRP and, and retail prices that it's more profitable for automakers. Uh, and with a greater pent-up demand, I, I think that's really the way the industry is going to tilt, is let's, let's go uh, satisfy demand on that side of the market. It will help us keep these high prices for consumers uh, that are generating some, some big profitability numbers for automakers and dealers. Um, so I, I think it's going to be resolved sooner, um, but again, at, the, at a cost. And, and so there'll be more vehicles. You'll, as a consumer, you'll be able to rent a new vehicle and those, you know, 35,000, 40,000 mile vehicles we've been renting. Maybe those can start to be retired and we'll get new cars and, and SUVs to rent. But to your point, I, I think it's going to result in, in higher prices. You know, as we saw with, uh, with Hertz's deal with Tesla, they're paying full price. Uh, for for their units are, are very close to it, and and you know Hertz then doubled down with a deal with Polestar, which is Volvo's uh, EV brand. Uh, so Hertz is very dedicated to that space, but you know those vehicles are renting for $120, $140 a day in in some markets, um, and so the, it's not a cheap vehicle to rent. I mean it's it's a luxury car, the certainly the Tesla Model Three that that's available to rent, um, and it, it's priced with uh, with other you know luxury high end choices. Uh, to to rent um, that most consumers probably aren't aren't going to hit right now. We've seen an average price just across the JD Power data of about eighty to ninety dollars a day, and that's up quite a bit. The inversion uh, from people renting cheap cars less than forty dollars a day that was about a third of the market uh, used to do that in twenty nineteen. Now it's a third of the market that rents above seventy dollars a day, and that's completely flipped from where it has been. And I see that, as you said, persisting through 2023 and probably beyond. Wow. I, I guess, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tyson. You got any other I, guess, I, I guess I'm just uh, renting from uh, some of the, the cheaper places of the world. You know, where I business travel these days is uh, not exactly where, where everyone uh, is thinking yeah. the vacation in. It, it really is driven by leisure markets. Like <laughs> I said, if you're going to Atlanta uh, or Detroit, right. Right. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to be seeing some of these price increases. So you're going to see these. Uh, really high prices in the high leisure demand markets, which is, you know, Florida during spring break, Florida during the uh, school break sessions, <laughs> and then the northwest, you know, uh, northwest part of the United States in late summer, uh, yeah. where there's a lot of leisure demand, and that's where we see these price increases. And Hawaii, <laughs> because you can't bring cars to Hawaii very easily, <laughs> so that's that, that's just a, a, a sheer fact right there. Vacation in Detroit, you heard it here first. There you go, yeah, vacation capital of the world. Come to Detroit, you know, it's a cheap rental car market. So, <laughs> well, thanks very much for listening to this edition of the podcast, uh, the JD Power P- Travel Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about what the travel, hospitality, and retail section. J.D. Power is doing, you can go to jdpower.com, click on the upper right-hand corner, scroll down to travel or retail, click through there, and you'll see all the things that are happening. And once again, thanks to Tyson Jomini of J.D. Power for being our guest, and we'll see you next time. 